This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is Money Talks from MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So what are you afraid of? Do you have financial worries? We'd like to address some common financial fears. We'll help you label the fear and give ways to face that fear. And as always, Nancy and Ryder are on hand to answer your personal finance concerns and questions. Contact us by email. The address, it's money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Nancy. Good to see you in person again after so yes. many, many months. Glad Isn't to have you back in the studio. Isn't a big surprise to actually be face-to-face? Well, we I'm finally excited. pulled her out of the traffic jam yeah, for this it was, one. It was, <laughs> it was pretty bad last week. I'm not going that stack route anymore. I went north this morning. <laughs> So uh, what about uh, financial news in the news? Well, it's a big day today because the Federal Reserve is meeting, and they do meet on a regular basis, Ryder. Yes, they do. Way too often. Uh, But we'll be getting an announcement this afternoon that will let us know what they are seeing as far as growth, as far as inflation indicators, and they will also um, telegraph what their plans are as far as raising interest rates. And it's very important that they let investors know about this beforehand. We don't want any surprises. You know, this is like waking a sleeping baby. You just need to tiptoe around. Uh, no big uh, jumps at that. And um, But we will start to see rising interest rates somewhere along the horizon. And um, that will help some folks. And it will hurt mostly the stock market because we don't like those rising rates. Ryder, how about you? Yeah, well, uh, two things. One, just to follow on to that, because I've talked about inflation a lot lately, is that we had a very high, it was the highest inflation print since 2008, uh, came last week. And so this is one of the things that the Fed watches is inflation. Are prices rising too much? And they have been saying they believe the inflation is transitory. Just a reminder, just because the inflation is transitory doesn't mean the high prices are going to to go back down. They can stay high, uh, but they will stop rising is what the Fed expects. And I just want to point out as well, it's a very high, it was a 5% inflation rate over the past 12 months, but that is coming off of last May, we actually had uh, negative inflation. So so it's coming off of a low, low, low base, which it kind of, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to look at that. And now we have all these kind of bottleneck issues. You know, everybody's trying to buy a car or while there aren't weren't a whole lot of cars produced last year, is a really big factor on uh, transportation, automobiles. Of course, uh, the rise in gas prices has been huge as well. And Ryder, it was really interesting to note the drop. In lumber prices. Finally, yes, yes. We've been talking about that because... Because it's been crazy, the way it's been rising. It's, it's crazy. And I mean, you know, people think kind of, oh, this is maybe a little niche area. But no, lumber is in your house. It, it, it dictates the, the price of housing, which we have not been building enough houses in this country for a decade. And that drives everything else because you get a new house, you get new appliances, furniture, all that good stuff. Such a huge part of the economy. I think you had uh, said that the lumber 
in a new house went from being about five to ten thousand uh, dollars worth of lumber goes into a new house and it rose up to about fifty to sixty thousand dollars of Crazy. prices so hopefully with these prices coming down uh, things will ease up it'll be a little easier for for builders to build it'll be a little easier for buyers to buy and maybe you can redo your kitchen maybe I can redo my kitchen well, fortunately, I, my repair work was done before the price of wood went crazy, so I was fortunate for that. So, uh, This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're going to be talking about your financial fears and dispelling those fears today. So our producer, Liz Gill, came across an article on the website Women Who Money and wanted to get uh, our experts' opinions on the money fears the article brought up. We'll have a link to the article on the show's information page for your reference. Um, women who money, that seems like an odd title to me. Yeah, it does seem they're, like they're, an odd one to me. They're running running out of words to use in URLs, so it could be anything. How about women who are rich? Ah. It's very catchy, though, I guess. Let's see, you see, see, see if that's already taken, and you might want to sn- snap that one up. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do the fears and sort of ping-pong this and give a Nancy and Ryder equal shot to kind of talk about them. But anyway, from this article, the financial fear number one is that never getting out of debt. If you're only able to pay the minimum on your credit card payments or if you make late payments on your car loan or mortgage, it's tough to make forward progress because of penalties, fees, and interests. Nancy, thoughts on on that myth? Well, when I think about debt, um, I like to have a little bit of fear when it comes to taking on debt. You should be fearful um, because you're committing to the payback, and you're committing to the payback under uncertain circumstances, especially right now. Um, But don't be so afraid if you've gotten into debt that it paralyzes you. And this is what I hear from a lot of people. They just stop looking at it. Mm-hmm. Don't look at the statements. Ignore what's going on. The the collectors are calling. Well, just don't answer. It's not going to go away. And so if you are in debt, the first thing you need to do is sit down and add it all up in one place. So many times we fool ourselves into thinking, well, it's not very much because it's just a little bit on this card and a little bit on that card. But that's my first thing to do when I sit down with somebody who's having a um, cash flow problem is to add up all that debt, look at the interest rates you're paying on that debt, and it's usually a shock at that point. Now, all debt is not bad. Um, Mortgage debt allows you to buy a house, and uh, it's usually lower interest rate debt, and you can build ownership in that house. Um, Taking on debt to buy a car, if it's a reasonable car that allows you to get to work and produce income, hey, that's okay. Student loan debt, which right you talk about that a lot. That is, oh my goodness, that is a popular fear, I believe. Which you say you shouldn't because if you're getting a good education. Uh, very often, you know, you are getting a very good, edu- uh, you're getting an education which has a, you're paying for something which has a good financial return. If you also, have a good degree. If you have a good degree. Well, I mean, you know, or if you just use it well. Yes. Um, but importantly with student loans is they have very, very favorable repayment terms, uh, including that you know, if you are not making uh, money or much at all, then you really don't have anything to pay back. Uh, and it will always be kind of limited to, again, these are federal student loans I'm talking about, which most student loans these days are, although a lot of folks, um, there's there's a lot of newer uh, private loan yeah, those companies are bad. out there. But the them. worst kind of debt is consumer debt, which is going to be your credit cards. And um, those are typically high interest rate cards, uh, averages around 15%. 
10%. We have seen them as high as 30%, which is crazy. And um, if you are not paying those off every month and then letting that balance roll over, then you're accumulating a lot of interest charges. And most of the time it's for items that have already, you know, gone their way. You've already, you've already eaten thrown those in the items trash or whatever. Away, yeah. They're gone. Um, so that's what you really need to get a handle on is that credit card debt. And that's the first place that we concentrate because if we can get rid of that, then we often have a pile of money that we can use to save. And once we have savings, that's how we are able to stay out of the credit card ditch because things happen. And if you have a savings account, that's what you use. And I, th- I think one of the first things you said is most important is, you know, have a healthy fear of it, but don't don't obsess over it. Don't let it don't let it uh, keep you from from being, you know making a plan about it. So it's important to look at what you have, prioritize what you have, and develop a plan for paying those off. But uh, don't don't let it, don't stick your head in the sand about it. I'm a bit of an odd duck. I guess I have three savings accounts now, so I like to try to... Why do you have three? <clears throat> well, one... Oh, it, I, this is what I call the bucket mentality. Okay. So you have a different oh, you savings haven't even, account. You haven't even heard his answer yet. Oh, well, let's just wait. What is it? <laughs> what are each of these for? Well, one of them is I paid my car note off, so I'm putting money in a savings account for when I need to buy a new car. Okay. Um, that's one of them. Uh, the second one is sort of the grandfathered-in savings account that I originally had, and so I put money into that. That's kind of just it's just money, emergency fund, that sort of thing. And then uh, I've got one that um, my mother loaned me some money when I was getting my um, bathroom redone, and then she just said, "You don't have to pay me back; just put it in a savings account." So that one is for. Household Your next bathroom <laughs> remodel. So are they all paying the same interest? Uh, I'm not sure. Two of them are from the same financial institution, so I imagine they are. And then the third one is with a region, so it's a little bit easier to get to. So, Kevin, are you saving? Is that last one? Is that to help me with my kitchen remodel that Nancy? <laughs> the Nancy. I keep trying to pushing? encourage that. You know. Uh, no, unfortunately, it's, <laughs> that, it's for um, my house that eventually is going to start falling apart. I so. Just since everyone thinks I need to remodel my kitchen, I figured they'd be pitching in. You know. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I think it complicates your life. Especially if you're a single person, I always think about, you know, uh, I'm driving home and I'm raptured or the truck hits me. And uh, can everybody find all of those accounts, all those pieces that are out there, especially now that for much of them, it's all online. There's no evidence of a statement. Um, So I encourage people to simplify their lives. But if that's what it takes for you to think about these different needs that you have, whatever. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but it's it, it's easier for me to, I don't know, I mean, I guess maybe that way, if it were all in one thing, I might be tempted to use it for, so to me, for having a very specific purpose for each one, it helps me not touch them or whatever. So who knows? Like I said, I'm a bit of an odd duck on that one. If you have a question for our experts, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about financial fears today. What's the fear of money called? We'll tell you that next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Listening to Money Talks and our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Uh, the fear of money is a word that I'm not going to try to pronounce because I think I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. Um, Moneyophobia? Chermatophobia? Oh, I have no idea where that Although came born from. to a wealthy family, he has chermatophobia and lives a spare life from the Greek ch- chmir- God, Anyway. If we have any ancient Greek scholars uh, <laughs> listening, please call in and let's, let's chat about the etymology of that word. Is there a fear of credit cards? <laughs> credit cardophobia? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just go with the English root. <laughs> Vis- visophobia. <please>. Visophobia. <laughs> So I'm sorry about that. I, I feel stupid for not being able to pronounce it. Ah, I wouldn't know that. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's get a phone call in. We've got Gene uh, from Osaka on the line with us. Good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, yes. <coughs> uh, yes, how you doing? Good. Um, yesterday on a uh, segment that comes on right before the news, I think it's at 750, it's a financial segment, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the Regulations have changed with 401ks and IRAs, and especially with inherited IRAs. Mm-hmm. They have. Now, unfortunately, my father just passed away a week and a half ago, and now I have two inherited IRAs. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I mean, do I keep them? Do I cash them? Do I roll them over? Or... All right, so uh, they're inherited IRA. So the, the the rule change was that previously uh, with an IRA, you are putting money in and you are getting a tax deduction as you put it in. And then when you hit, it used to be 70 and a half, it's now 72, you start withdrawing it, and that withdrawal is based on your life expectancy. So it starts small, and as you get you know older and older and older, it gets larger and larger and larger. Father, now, my father so, was at the point that he was withdrawing $370 a, uh, a month. Yes, so so that's, this is just a little bit of a background for the more general audience that we have listening. And so when you inherit an IRA, it used to be that most people could just continue taking that lifetime income stream, kind of no matter how old you were. There were a few, there were a few exceptions where you had to withdraw it faster, but for the most part, you could get away and just withdrawing that money over your lifetime, which is nice. You inherit a large amount of money. You don't just have to all of a sudden pay tax on it all in one go. You get to spread it out over a number of years. Now the rule is you have to withdraw it in 10 years. And I will say an additional thing for you is that it's not the guidance is not exactly clear. It was the way the rule was written was simply just that you had to withdraw it within 10 years. You could wait and withdraw it all on the last day of the last year, uh, or you could withdraw it all, you know, spread it out, you know, one-tenth at a time. However, the IRS has given preliminary guidance that you should withdraw 
uh, one, you know, a tenth of it in the first year, a ninth of it in the next year, an eighth of it in the ne- last year until you withdraw everything in the last year. So, so that's what you're going to have to do with those IRAs regardless is you're going to have to withdraw it over the next 10 years. Uh, whether or not you really are specifically going to be required to do it some every year is a little unclear. If you want to be on the safe side, I would just plan on withdrawing 10% this year. Um, you said you had two, so potentially you have a regular beneficiary IRA and a Roth beneficiary IRA. Um, a, if if one of them is a Roth, then that money is not going to be taxed, but you still do have the same withdrawal rules. Uh, and then if it's a regular beneficiary IRA, that money is going to be taxed as income, and of course it, it has those same withdrawal rules we just discussed. Um, so there are some tactics when you get kind of into it, but this has been a really big change, and I encourage folks who are looking at retirement who do have uh, a significant amount in their IRAs, especially if they're kind of thinking, this may be more money than I am going to spend. I am going to be passing some of this on to my children. It makes it a really, really big planning point because it used to be it used to be kind of a small impact. Like your your heirs got a lot of money, but they didn't have to pay a lot of taxes on it. Now they're going to have to pay a lot of taxes on it, so it's something to look at. So I, I, I hope that kind of answers your question. But, yes, you will be having to withdraw that over the next 10 years. Now, uh, we went to the IRS website yesterday, mm-hmm. and they said there were several different exceptions, such as if you're on disability or you're less than 72 years old. Well, I'm only 60. Uh, so the on disability, so the the exceptions for an inherited IRA are much more strict than those for a regular IRA. Uh, so if you are sixty, you and you inherit an IRA, you are withdrawing from it. Um, the main exceptions are if you are a spouse then you get to treat the IRA as your own, or or you can leave it in an inherited IRA and go ahead and start taking uh, regular distributions on your lifetime. Uh, that remains, those options remain the same for the spouse. And there is a disability exception, but I believe it is only for uh, folks of a certain age, and I want to say it's like under age 26 or something. Um, I know that if you inherit an IRA and you are uh, under age 21, you get to uh, you can either take lifetime withdrawals or you can take no withdrawals until you hit 21, and then your 10 years start. So you are uh, it sounds like over 21, uh, and um, this was your father, so this is not that you don't get the spousal exemption. Correct. All right, uh, Gene. Okay. Thanks for your call this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, by the way. <clears throat> Gene mentioned the Marketplace Morning Report that airs every weekday morning at 7.50 on MPB Think Radio. Stay on the phone lines. We're going to talk next to Jack, who's in Hancock County. Good morning, Jack. You're on the air. Good morning. Um, I'm in a situation where I could use some advice. I'm uh, currently 70 years old. I've got two regular IRAs and then have far exceeded my expectations of what they would be worth. And uh, I draw a little money out of them for major purchases. I paid cash for a rental house a few years ago and 
uh, most things I just 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 pay for. But I don't have very expensive tastes. Uh, I'm just a country boy. I'm married, and of course, most of this will go to my wife. I'm just wondering what I need to do at this particular time. It's grown so damn much. I hate pulling it all out of the stocks and mutual funds and ETFs and that that's invested in because I can't get any money for cash. But hell, I ain't going to be around that much longer. I got diabetes and heart disease and had brain surgery a couple years ago. I'm not looking like I'm going to live to 90 or 100 for sure. Uh, I don't even really know where to look. Well, Can somebody give me some ideas? Jack, I think... Um, maybe you need to sit down with a financial advisor, and the first thing you need to look at is, okay, this, these accounts have grown, and they've done nicely, but they might be a little more aggressive, and what you're trying to do right now is just hold on to what you have. And in that case, an advisor might recommend that you pull out of some of those stock funds that you have, put more into stable fixed income, more on the bond side, and you can do that within an IRA without worrying about capital gains taxes because you don't pay that within those accounts. The other thing you might want to talk with an advisor uh, about, which is what we've been doing a lot of, is possibly having a strategy of gradually doing some Roth conversions, meaning I'm going to take part of that money, maybe I'll take 10000 out of my IRA accounts and I'll put it in a Roth IRA. The year I do that, I'm going to have to pay tax on that 10000 which means that advisor needs to be talking to your CPA about what will be the tax bill if you do and, and make sure you don't go into a higher income tax bracket. And doing that over a period of years is what we're finding will allow you to then pass on tax-free money to your heirs. Now, you do have a spouse, and as Ryder mentioned earlier, um, we don't have as much of a rush here because if something happens to you, your spouse, your wife, will take over those IRA accounts as if they belong to her in the first place, and we're not under that 10-year distribution rule. And But still, some to- sort of long-term strategy, adjusting the asset allocation, getting more conservative, the first thing. Um, the second thing is is possibly looking at a strategy of partial Roth conversions over a period of years to get it out of tax-deferred accounts and into tax-free accounts. Yeah, yeah, and so the, the, an interesting problem you have, and uh, Nancy's strategies uh, make a lot of sense. It sounds like uh, one thing you have, if those are both uh, traditional IRAs, one thing on the kind of passing it on front you can do is consolidate those. Um, and it sounds like you might have somebody helping you invest, invest that. Um, if so, great. If not, like Nancy says, you should you know, may want it, may want a third party to look at that and give you some suggestions there. Well. As a point of, of uh, as you guys do on, on public radio, uh, I used to be a licensed financial advisor ah. and, and all of that. And uh, quite frankly, uh, having known the breed very well, 
<laughs> I'm not very impressed. Most of them get more marketing training than they do financial training. I would encourage you to look for a fee-only advisor, and a fee-only advisor will have to act as a fiduciary, meaning they have to put your interest first, and they're not commissioned, folks. They're not about marketing. And and, and that is a fair concern. Um, so it, it, I would just like to point out, you do have a couple of events coming up. Uh, you will have to start taking RMDs. So kind of regardless of, you know, a lot of times when we look at somebody's money and we say, okay, how should we allocate this, you know, between stocks, bonds, uh, what have you? We say, well, how much are you going to be spending? When do you need it? We don't want money that you're going to be spending in the next few years. We don't want that in stocks. Uh, you know, the volatility is is too high, and we want that money to be kind of a little more assured. So even though you might not be spending that money soon, you will be withdrawing it from the IRA. So your allocation does need to change based just on that if you're currently kind of all equity. Uh, you will also be passing it on, it sounds like. So you also want to be thinking, who are the ultimate beneficiaries? Where is this money going to go when I am no longer here to spend it? So also keep your ultimate beneficiaries in mind when thinking about that allocation. And then like Nancy said, going ahead and developing a spending plan out of it. You only have a couple years before your required distributions start, but if you can start getting a little bit out of it and just get into the habit of taking a little bit out, maybe making those Roth conversions, then that might help when the time comes. Can you, uh, can you give me the formula for determining the required minimum distribution? Yeah, you can go on the uh, IRS website, and the way it works is the value of those accounts, and you'd put the two together, on December 31st of the previous year of the year you turn 72. And uh, then there's a life expectancy table that will give you a divisor, a number. So your total value of those two divided by that number will give you the amount that you have to take out. On the front end, it's going to be somewhere 4 or 5%. As Ryder mentioned earlier, that's going to increase as you age. All right, Dutch. Okay. Appreciate your phone call this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're discussing our financial fears today. If you have a fear of not saving enough for your child's education, we've got a podcast tip for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. I'm Jen White with NPR. If you're fortunate enough to have collected a few classic cars over the years, here's a thought. 
Give them a new life by donating one or more to support this station. They'll be matched with interested buyers, collectors just like you who know a great car when they see one. You free up some space in the garage, the classic car gets a new home, and proceeds support this station. It's a win-win. Thanks in advance. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. Money Talks is MTV Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives. Ryder Taff is portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They both are chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. If you're concerned about saving for your child's education, we'd like uh, to point out two Money Talks podcasts that you might go back and listen to. The first one was from September 15th, 2020, and August 27th, 2019. We talked about the 529 plans that the state offers. So we're uh, talking about financial fears, and Ryder, the one that we have for you is about losing a job. Unless you run your own business, there's always a chance of losing a job. People are fired and laid off from jobs every day. Many people aren't financially prepared to be out of work. Ryder, what could someone do to keep the fear of losing their job at bay? And and I just want to point out that if you are self-employed if you are your own boss you can still lose your job if you don't have any customers you still need customers so before we just think oh well i'll just start my own business and then i'll make money forever that's because we know (laughs) if you're self-employed you're the last one to get paid right? exactly exactly so uh, there are two things one actually we've had some really great resources over the past year with the unemployment security folks Uh, and i know we had one recently as well they have a lot of resources one actual money. If you are laid off, if you are fired, you may be entitled to unemployment. Uh, it is, it's a small amount in Mississippi, and we no longer have the pandemic uh, extra money there, but that is something. It will help you pay for groceries and get your bills paid every, every month. And they also have resources, job search, job training opportunities. There are a surprising amount of uh, job training opportunities uh, through federal funds and things really just depends on your area, your willingness to maybe travel, your ability to maybe travel for some of these things, and, you know, if that is an industry that's available or or of interest to you. Then, of course, so those are kind of direct, you know, you've lost your job, this is what you need to do. But another thing that we talk about a little less is your network, knowing people who who are hiring, knowing people who know industries that are hiring, knowing people who know of other opportunities. A lot of times when we find ourselves out of work, don't be afraid to to tell your friends and family, hey, you know, I've just lost my job. I was doing this. I'm really interested in doing this. This is my qualification for this. Let me know if you hear something. And that can be, that's relevant for people of any sort of job, any sort of industry, anywhere you go, because just the, the more folks you have kind of thinking of you, then the better chance of you finding a good place to work. 
And also, I would think, too, if you have your job, uh, you know, any kind of uh, continuing education opportunities that you have in your, your career, any time to learn a different skill or improve your skills, that's obviously something to think about. And then, you know, starting an emergency fund, granted, it's, it, it's, it's only going to be a temporary thing if you lose your job, but I think you'd feel a little safer knowing you have some money socked away uh, in case uh, something does come up. Got some more callers to get to. Let's start again on the phones. John's called in. Uh, John, is it Gloucester where you're calling from? Yes, Gloucester. Oh, Gloucester. Okay. What do you have for us today? I have a question. I'd like to know, if you sell a place for $800,000, how much capital gains taxes will you pay? How much did you buy it for, John? Uh, when I bought it, I only paid $100,000. let us see. Mr. I really only paid $28,000, $2,800. Was this your primary residence? No. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to—that's most of that's going to be capital gain. Um, Now, there are— a uh, few things if you if you kept track of expenses if you improved the property etc then those are things that can, uh, can potentially add into add into your cost basis but right now if you paid $28,000 and you turned around and sold it for $800,000 your cost basis is $28,000 your sale price is $800,000 and your capital gain is $772,000 and that would be taxable however if you spent a lot of money money improving the property and that was not something that you expensed you didn't expense depreciation things like that then that can add to that cost basis and therefore help reduce the amount which is a capital gain and another thing with real estate it sounds like you have already sold it but if you have not yet sold it there is the potential for you to do what is called a 1031 exchange. This is there are a ton, a ton, and ton of tax benefits to real estate, uh, and um, you know we can we can go on all day about those and whether or not we ought to have them. But this is one that does exist. If you take the proceeds from a sale of real estate, you can turn. You have like a 60 day period. This has to be built into the contract. You have to do it through a qualified intermediary who holds the money for you while you identify another property. You have a certain amount of time to identify another property and a certain amount of time to close on that property and that would not, that whole transaction, that would make it not taxable. Basically, you can just keep rolling it. Well, you're just delaying the you're tax. You're just delaying the taxes. Uh, you know, And for some folks, especially folks who work in the real estate industry, that is a huge strategy because you can just, you can just delay the tax until you die. Um, so that is a possibility, a 1031 exchange, if you have not already done the transaction. And there are also a lot of, uh, a lot of organizations who help with that and can kind of do a fund to help you e- ease the pain of that. John, how long have you owned that? Uh, I bought it in, in 1972. Well, you made a good purchase. Yes. Yeah, yes. Well, I mean, ultimately, if you buy something for a very low price and then you sell it for a very high price, uh, you know, you made a lot of money and you got you got to pay you. taxes. Uh, there are some ways to avoid it, but at the end of the day, the IRS uh, cometh. <laughs> All Everything right. was very cheap in 72. Yes, yes. 
All right, uh, John, we appreciate your call. Here's a programming note. Uh, in Legal Terms, which airs uh, next at 10 o'clock, they today are talking about, guess what, 1031 oh, exchange. Wow. Oh, good. Today's a lucky day, John. Was John a plant? No, I <laughs> completely uh, weird there. That's the public radio karma, I guess, going on there. We've got another caller, so we say good morning now to Elizabeth in Byram. Good morning. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, I wanted to call about the previous gentleman's um, the inherited IRA change mm -hmm. in the time frame. Well, I am. It used to be five years that you could you needed to close that account out mm -hmm. in certain situations, which I'm right. in. And so, does, and I'm in year three of year five, and mm -hmm. I've, like you said, been taking twenty percent out every year. Mm -hmm. So does this automatically change over to the 10-year rule? No. Or is it just, okay, so no, I'm still not. under the 5-year rule. Correct. It is, uh, it is based on when the decedent... Uh, died and I, I, I believe it was everyone who died in basically January 2020 and later this would affect their heirs those who died before were still under the previous rules yes and that, and that's correct it used to be a five-year rule uh, again there was a lot of flexibility you know if they're already withdrawing you could usually continue taking those taking those lifetime uh, stream of income but now they changed it to a 10-year and, 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 and reduced a lot of those exceptions. So it's, it's a little nicer uh, for folks who were previously under the five-year. Uh, it's a little worse for people who used to have the 10-year, uh, who used to have the lifetime withdrawals. But overall, it's, it's a little more uh, simple system. Uh, but unfortunately, no. If you are already under a five-year, you're, you're still there. Still there. Okay. Well, it, you know, being year four... I just didn't know what to do to continue to pull out that the twenty percent or mm -hmm. spread it out over the ten years. So I really appreciate the update. Absolutely, it was. I was having trouble finding an answer. Thanks ah, again. Absolutely, glad we could help. Take Thanks, care. Elizabeth, for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about financial fears and ways to sort of deal with them. The next one, Nancy, is about uh, something terrible happening to me or my partner. Uh, if a loved one uh, departed or you, uh, someone you depend on or other breadwinner in your family is not there, it's time to figure out where you stand financially if there is an early death. And you kind of made reference to this earlier in that organizing your important papers, letting your spouse know where things are is, is one way to kind of ease the fears. Well, yes, but you first need to start by looking at um, your income and who depends on that income. Uh, so, Kevin, for you, you're a single person. You're not as concerned about insuring your income through life insurance. Whoa, whoa. If he's going to help me out with this kitchen remodel, <laughs> like, I, I'm... You can look, be my beneficiary. I'm saying is... <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, but if there are people who are dependent on your income, which is why I say don't insure children, they're not producing income. But um, if you have parents who have young children, that becomes really important to make sure that they are covered if something happens to you and to your income. Um, and I typically recommend looking at term life insurance because what we want you to do is insure for that time period where those children are growing and have needs. And at some point, you hope you have built up enough assets and that those children are off the books and you don't need that insurance any longer. But as you mentioned, you also need to make sure that all 
of your paperwork is organized. And this is where you sit when you start to get a little bit older, and now it becomes critical to talk to your grown children about if something happens to us, this is where you're going to find my paperwork. I've had that conversation mm-hmm. recently with my parents where uh, my dad has been able to show me. He, he wrote out a paper for me to say, here are the accounts. Here's who you call. This is how you get in. This is what it's worth. This is how this will uh, function if something happens to me and if something happens to your mom. And so to be able to reach all of that is really important when we have been in situations where we have had to do searches because we didn't Mm -hmm. know or families who had to just wait for something to Mm -hmm. show up in the mailbox. And as I referenced earlier, um, less and less do we have things show up in the mailbox. show up in an email box. And if you don't have access to that with all those passwords, then how do you know that it's even out there? And that's where we run into finding money on uh, various uh, state secretary of state's Mm -hmm. uh, offices. Unclaimed property. Unclaimed property. Or the treasurer's office, excuse me. And uh, tracking all that down. And you don't want to go there. It's a pain. And and I want to say, in addition to just saying, you know, here are my accounts and here's what you can expect to find in them and here are the interest Insurances I have, especially if you're having this conversation with your children, it's a great opportunity to talk about what all this means to you and, you know, kind of what you wanted to see in the world with this money, what this money meant to you, and maybe what you hope for them to do with it. Because a lot of times, yeah, you could just leave all your money to your kid and just be like, here's the money, have at it. But you could also say, you know, I want to make sure that my grandchildren have their college taken care of. And maybe you don't necessarily have something set up for that. You know, you might you might die before you're able to do some of that. Or maybe some of the things that you wish to do are not necessarily the type of things that you would write down, you know, in stone. But those are things that you can talk about. I would, you know, I wish that you would give some to charity. I wish that you would make sure that so-and-so is taken care of. So it's a time to kind of pass down values in addition to those dollar amounts. And let me also say, regardless of your age, you need a will if you are an adult. And uh, in the state of Mississippi, you can actually write out a will by hand, sign it at the bottom. It's nice to have a couple of witnesses. I'm writing and it's a going piece to be of paper valid. There for, you go. For Kevin, um, please give Ryder yes. a new kitchen. As you get older, as your situation gets more complicated, hopefully you've built up some wealth. Now is the time you might want to sit down with an attorney and look at, is a simple will enough? Do I need to look at some trust situations? What kind of estate planning do I need to do? Talking about financial fears, if one of your fears is keeping your online data safe, we'll tell you where you can get additional information next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device 
or on our website at legalterms.mpbonline.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a reminder, every Tuesday at 10 a.m., listen live to In Legal Terms right after Money Talks. If you worry about cybersecurity, consider listening to the August 6, 2019 Money Talks podcast on data security or find an everyday tech podcast that deals with the issue. Got some callers on the line to get to. Craig's been waiting for us. Craig, you're on the uh, on the air with us now. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, I was wondering if all these tax codes and stuff are on one site for for real estate and banking and income. Is that all on one site, or do you have to go research everything in different sections? Yeah, you pretty much have to um, go to a variety of sources to find this information. And um, tax policy is changing all the time. There are talks now for additional changes um, on the table. So it's something everybody needs to pay attention to. Um, If you're talking about this real estate 1031, you need to talk to a real estate attorney. They know how to navigate those kinds of things. You need to have a CPA uh, as your finances get more complicated, that person should be able to help you, and a financial advisor. So it takes all of those people working together, and hopefully they have knowledge of the latest tax codes. Okay, yeah. I was hoping it was in one site, and it would Sorry. take me less than a lifetime to... Uh, well, I mean, actually, <laughs> you could find it at irs.gov, but have you ever been to that website? It's pretty cumbersome. I, I, will, I will say, uh, using the irs.gov is super valuable, straight to the source, but you're not necessarily going to hear about the ins and outs of, for example, a 1031 exchange in order to avoid tax. The IRS does not have a blog post that says, hey, the Try this one neat trick to avoid paying taxes on the property you bought in 1972 that you just sold for a million dollars. They don't have that. Now, somebody else will have a blog post about that, but you may need to refer back to information at the IRS, which has the details, their actual rules. And like we said, this stuff is updated all of the time. We were just talking about inheritance, which just had a huge overhaul. Actually, IRAs had two huge overhauls in the span of about a year and a half uh, just a little while ago. So this stuff does change. Uh, Always go to that authoritative source. Again, the IRS is the enforcement agency of these rules. So don't, while you might get some good ideas uh, from listening to folks on the radio like us or from blogs or uh, newspaper articles or something like that, you do need to check with that authoritative source who is actually going to be enforcing those rules. Yeah, that's 1031 got me calling in today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's unfortunately that the IRS isn't going to tell you how to use it in a sneaky way or in a or how how useful it might be. But they will give you kind of some execution points. They will give you some requirements, especially regarding reporting how that is done. Uh, Okay. Thank you. 
All right, uh, Craig, and again, a reminder the, uh, that they'll discuss those uh, 1031s on, uh, in legal terms that immediately follows our show uh, coming up at, uh, in just a few minutes. So that is the one source you can go to all for all that information right. is just hang tight. Oh, I'm, I, I'm just seeing the phones lighting up. So I've got a couple of minutes left in the program. Um, we, we talked a little briefly off air about uh, phishing, and I was saying that mm-hmm. I I get a lot of them on email and things. But for me, they're fairly easy to see that they're fake because a lot of times they're things like Netflix. I get those all the time that your Netflix account has been suspended. It's like, well, no, it hasn't because I don't have one. And Correct. you know, we notice we know that you noticed this account is frozen because of fraudulent activity or whatever. And I'm like, no, it, it was some. Know, cryptocurrency or some sort of weird site that I've never mm-hmm. been associated with. But Nancy, you were saying that your clients that that this is yeah, reportedly we're starting increasing. to hear more recently. Uh, I don't know if all of these guys are just uh, now coming out like everybody else is post pandemic and uh, cranking up their activities. Uh, uh, scamming uh, and frauding is a is a popular work from home thing. So yeah, I, I, I have heard that. I feel yeah. maybe maybe. But that's, sometimes you need to you need waning. to be in a group so you can brainstorm and share ideas on how to do. <laughs> it. But, um, yeah, we've gotten a couple of calls just in the last couple of weeks of people saying my bank account was hacked. And so now that means we have to flag their accounts where we are moving money back and forth. We have to change banking information. Um, I think the most important thing you can do is pay attention to your accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay attention to bank accounts and credit card accounts. Is something strange going on? Mm-hmm. My problem is I see something, I think it's strange and I say, well, I surely didn't put that charge on there and I call only to find out, well, yeah, it was me. Uh, I forgot. Um, Is this your signature? Yeah, it's pretty much what I do. But um, be careful about uh, online activity. Make sure you are working with a reputable vendor and they keep your information secure. Uh, But be prepared to shut down accounts and open up new accounts if this happens to you. Yeah, and and always uh, I'd say call back. Don't follow anything from an email or a text message. Independently call back to the the, uh, entity involved and see if it's legit. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your preferred podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taft, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Tuesdays at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.